0: Hello, and welcome to the Outlier podcast, the podcast for everyone who's interested in building better homes. My name is Sandra, and I am hosting this podcast with Anthony, the founder and lead designer at Outlier Studio, who is passionate about creating beautiful and high-performing homes. Together, we sit down once a month to chat with industry experts and to answer your questions about high-performance homes. We want to educate Australians about the possibilities of energy-efficient design and to change the way we build houses today. We hope you join us on that journey. This is probably one of my favorite episodes so far. Everyone who has talked to me in the last couple of years has probably gotten an earful about windows. I am known to be the crazy window girl amongst my friends and I finally got to properly nerd out with a real life professional. Gary Smith from Ultimate Windows has been in the window industry for most of his career, and he has seen a lot of change happen over the last couple of years. In our interview, he explained the different materials of windows, of course, the variations of glazing, and he also talked about important performance indicators that you should look out for when getting windows for your home. He even shared some valuable insights about how to find the right manufacturer and the first steps you should take when determining what windows you really need for your house. This is a long one, as Gary has a wealth of knowledge, but I enjoyed every minute of it and I really hope you do too. So, without further ado, let's talk Windows. All right. Thank you again for joining us today, Gary, on the Outlier podcast. I can already say it's probably going to be one of my favorite episodes ever because everyone around me knows I'm obsessed with Windows. That's the number one topic I bring up all the time and I annoy everyone talking about benefits of double glaze, triple glaze, and all the other little bits and pieces that we can do that you probably know way more about than me. So this is going to be a fun one for me and I hope for everyone else as well. Um, but yeah, just to kick it off maybe, um, how did you get into the bin- window business? What was your starting point and what made you get into it?
1: Uh, it look, that's a, an interesting question. I remember when I was very young and my uh, older brother and I were walking home from school and we walked through a building site. We had to cut through a new building site, and there was this big stack of uh, recently delivered windows there, uh, all glazed, and a big stack of bricks next to them. Uh, and my brother sort of gave me a nudge and said, "You know, this could be fun." So we started throwing the bricks uh, through the windows, <laughs> and and the builder—I don't know where he came from—but he caught us and he gave us a, a kick up the backside. <clears throat> Uh, so it's either I'm just paying penance for doing that. I've been in, <laughs> I've been in windows all my life. Uh, but I was lucky enough, just as a kid, uh, a friend of mine who used to deliver windows for the company Trend in uh, Bayswater in Melbourne, he, uh, he got me a job as a truck jockey when I was about 16. So that's that's actually where I started. And I had you know many, many different roles at Trend. I was there for about 15 years. Uh, ended up uh, as the sales manager there with a bit more education and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've worked in windows and glass and for the window association basically for about, oh, gee, it's about 36, 37 years now.
0: Wow. And no sign of stopping?
1: Uh, no, I think uh, once you get in, it's very hard to get out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and there's so many, you know, different things that have changed over the years. Uh, and, and it's actually a really complex product. Uh, I've worked just in glass too. And as a, as a product, you know, there's some really complex products there too. Uh, but that was a, a pretty easy uh, role as, uh, you know, sales manager and so forth. But once you get involved in, uh, you know, standards, uh, the building code and all those sorts of things and, and educating people about all the uh, different things available, um, you know, I've, I've had a great time over all those years. Uh, And it's, you know, I still learn stuff now, which is terrific.
0: That's awesome. Well, speaking about um, the different types and and just the lots of variables that um, are there in different products, can you give us a brief little overview of some of the most standard window types and the differences? Um, I'm speaking the different glasses and, and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So, look in Australia, our most common window and, and still is the predominant window type of aluminium. Uh, so, you know, aluminium sliders, I guess, in the the northern states, uh, and probably in the last, you know, ten or fifteen years, probably uh, aluminium awning in the uh, in the southern states. Uh, we've always had timber. You know, timber was a fairly big product, uh, you know, 30 years ago. It's it's still going now, but it, it's certainly uh, that, that market share has shrunk. But timber windows, very common. And you go and look at any houses, you know, sort of built 90s and back, you'll find lots and lots of timber windows. Uh, UPVC is, is one that's now, uh, I guess, coming in well it's been in the market for a while but it's actually really starting to grow now for for lots of different reasons i guess it's um most of the upvc that we're seeing here in australia european design so we're actually talking about uh you know pretty high performing products when you look at hardware uh how they're designed and so forth uh, a lot more higher performing than some of the most basic aluminium and timber products uh Fibreglass, very small market here in Australia. I think there's only one or two companies that actually sell fibreglass. But uh, composite windows is another thing that's um, certainly grown, you know, in the last 10 years. We have, you know, some very high performance, uh, you know, European type, but even Australian design products. Uh, aluminium clad timber. Uh, and, and it's for performance reasons, which I guess we'll discuss as we go through further. But aluminium thermal breaks, another one. Uh, So with energy efficiency, you know, the the aluminium thermal brakes products have have really grown in the last, uh, I guess it's over 10 years. Uh, And most system suppliers actually have a thermally broken system available now. Uh, So that's been, you know, a real change and and, and one that's uh, now pretty common, certainly in the southern states. Uh, And... You know UPVC is another example. There's there's UPVC. There's a couple of companies that are doing UPVC that are aluminium clad externally, and so they're they're sort of the most common uh, material types that we're using for windows. When you're talking about glass, so you know we uh, we basically used single glazed clear, you know three mil, four mil, five mil. Uh, Then, you know, I I was around when uh, safety glasses were introduced for doors and uh, side lights and, you know, bathrooms and so forth. Then we had, and I worked very early with a company that introduced, uh, or just focused on double glazed. <clears throat> uh, so it was a fairly small market then, but you know that has grown massively, particularly in you know Victoria and Tasmania and yeah. colder areas of New South Wales. And it started as just standard, you know, clear air and clear units, uh, but we then moved towards uh, low E products. So we lo- used low E products as. Single glazing for a while because there are energy benefits in that over uh, over your, just your clear. Then hard coat low ease. So you've got two types of low ease as well, hard coat and soft coat. Uh, so we started off with the hard coats because we were using it monolithically uh, and, and it was manufactured here as well as overseas. Uh, and those, uh, those hard coats were also used in uh, insulated glass units, so double glazing. Uh, and that really lifts the performance uh, in a U-value, a, a thermal performance sense. And now just in the last, uh, I guess it's three, maybe four years, we're now seeing the same sort of stuff that they're using uh, in Europe. So, so soft coat low ease. Uh, so it, it took a while for the glass industry to, you know, get the hang of how to use that. It's a bit more complex than the hard coat. You know, you've got to strip it off around the edge work to, uh attach the spacer bar so you can then double glaze. But uh, but the glass companies are all uh, pretty much as a standard now selling the soft coat low E's. Yep. And performance-wise compared to the hard coat, it's just a much better product.
0: Could you maybe uh, quickly explain what low E is exactly?
1: Yeah, so low E stands for low emissivity, I guess. So if you think, uh, I try to put it in real simple terms, Yeah. how I've <laughs> spoken to, to builders about it. If you think about um, uh, about, uh, we'll start with heating. So it works both ways. So so heating. So if you've got your heater running in the house, uh, what you're creating is uh, is long wave energy. What that low e coat does, it's it's a metallic coating on the glass that you can see through, but what it does is reflect that long wave energy back into the house. So where just clear glass would let a lot of that through, it reflects reflect mm-hmm. some back. Yep. The lower coating actually reflects a whole heat back more. So when you've got the heater going in the house, it's actually staying within the house rather than going through the windows. Yeah. And in a in a cooling sense, so in a hotter climate, if you think about outside, you've got the energy coming from the sun, <clears throat> so shortwave energy, and it's hitting, you know, pavements and roads and so forth. Uh some of that uh, material is actually absorbing that energy and then reflecting it back out as long wave. So if you're in a hot climate and you've got, you know, lots of paths and stuff outside, you've got all this long wave energy trying to come in to your house. So you've got the cooler on inside. A clear glass will let that all come in, well, not all, but quite a lot of it come in and through. So it's heating up your house. Yep. What that low e coating then does is actually reflects that long wave energy back outside so it, so yeah. it doesn't let as much through so so it simp- simply it, it actually improves the u value so it yeah. makes the u value better yeah
2: yeah i see a, a huge improvement on the performance of windows just by having that low e coating and um, what you've just described there i just wanted to maybe if you could clarify as well like that uh, it still lets natural light through this doesn't block natural light or anything at all does it
1: yeah, yeah, correct. So, so some of the harder coats blocked out a bit. Uh, the the new soft coats, you actually look at look at them, and it looks like clear glass. You could sometimes see some, you know, pink or blue tinges on the hard coats, but the soft coats. And I've got some at home. Looking through the glass, it's like looking through a clear window. So, yeah, still heaps of light come through. Yeah, yeah,
2: great. I suppose maybe if if you could just extending on that, maybe just touch on some of maybe the, the benefits of say. Um UPVC or um, some of the composite windows versus some of maybe aluminium, and just the variances and the different frames and glass and, and what those price points sort of look like with those differences.
1: Yeah, so I guess if you you've got to think about when you when you look at the performance of a window, you're not just looking at the glass. That's one part, and it's obviously a big part. Um, but you've got to also look at the frame. So if you can imagine holding uh, in one hand a piece of aluminium, uh, in the other hand a piece of timber. And if you had three hands in the third hand holding a piece of UPVC, uh, have your uh, gas stove going and stick those materials over the flame. So which one do you think you're going to drop first? Well, it's going to be the
2: aluminium for me. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. You will because, because that is a material. It transfers a lot of uh, energy through it, so it'll get hot really quickly. Uh, so you're going to drop that one. Whereas uh, timber and UPVC, uh, the heat doesn't come through. Uh, so so, th- so, thermally it works much better those materials uh, if you had an aluminium thermal break frame as an example so you've got a break between that aluminium there'll be some type of plastic there's uh, companies have different names for it polyamide's one name but what that does is actually stop the heat transfer uh, yeah so, so so as a material that performs much better and I guess an example would be uh, with a standard aluminium window with double glazing so you've got Uh, and let's say it's low E double glazing, so that's performing really well. In a colder climate, or even in a hot climate, but if you think about a cold climate uh, with a standard aluminium window, and let's say you've got the heater on at 24 inside and it's uh, two degrees outside, what you're getting is a lot of cold coming through that aluminium frame. And we see, well, I've seen lots of examples over the years where the glass is fine, but on the aluminium frame, uh, you've actually got to the dew point, And so you've actually got lots of moisture coming off that material.
2: I'm, I'm certain there's many people listening right now, Gary, that it can very much relate with that. There's waking up in a winter's morning and there's this condensation all over their windows and, you know, um, doors, especially aluminium. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that uh, that just yeah, relates with a lot of listening. So,
1: so you would get that if it was a single glazed window, you'd get it on the glass as well. So, you, you know, think about this massive... Uh, area of window in your house and it's nice and comfortable. You go over near the window, it's got – because you've got moisture coming off uh, your body, uh, you know, you're um, cooking in the kitchen, whatever, there's a lot of – actually a lot of moisture in a house uh, and it condensates all over that window frame. I saw an example in Canberra years ago uh, and it just had single-glazed Lowy standard aluminium frames. They were getting bucket loads of water off one sliding door every night through the window. It was it was amazing. So the only answer to that uh, is actually to ventilate the house, so open the window up. And that's not necessarily what we want to do when it's freezing cold outside. <laughs> no, no.
2: There's uh the HRV systems, are, is, that's another topic. Yes, <laughs> so mechanical ventilation. Uh, so what about price point for those different types?
1: So price points, uh, I guess um you know, the, the cheapest window has always been in Australia, just a basic standard aluminium slider with clear glass. But, we're, you know, we're sort of beyond that here, certainly in the colder climates. They're still using some of that in the warmer climates. Uh, so that's the lowest price point. But once you want to upgrade and get to better performing products, you know, your, your timber and your UPVC will be, you know, roughly the same as a performance window yeah. uh, cost-wise. Uh, I think your, um, your thermally broken aluminium takes a, a jump above that. Not massive, but it'll be a bit more expensive. Uh, and then you, you go to your composite products. So your real high-end stuff, are, uh, are your, like aluminium-clad timber that are, you know, engineered and designed and uh, European-type design products, you know, they're, they're right up there. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I know you've touched on low E, so we've sort of gone into some terminology there as well. For those listening, would you be able to sort of maybe provide some, some definitions for U-value and uh, solar heat gain coefficient? Um, and there's also, I suppose, the air infiltration as well and um, TMEW. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, you could just provide a bit of a definition for those sort of those terminology. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so uh, I'll, I'll give a, a technical and one I just use with people. So, so U-value, if you think about... Um, Uh, when you think about U-value, so it's the insulation performance of the system. And so if you've got a difference in temperature inside to out, uh, the cold's always going to the warm side, okay? So if you go up and touch a single glazed window when it's warm inside and cold outside, that window is cold. And so it's a measure of that. If you went and touched a double glazed uh, low E product, it won't be any, it'll be more like the temperature inside the house rather than the outside. So it's about that, that transfer. So uh, window products and glass products um, react thermally in two ways. So one is the difference in temperature inside to out. Uh, and for, a, um, I guess, the, the technical side, it's, it's just a measure of the rate of non-solar heat loss or gain through the whole assembly. And you've got to keep in mind the lower, this is not like R values, so it's the inverse, the lower the U value is the greater the resistance uh, to the heat flow and the better the insulating value. So so when you're purchasing windows, the lower the U value, no matter where you are, the lower the U value you can afford, uh, go for it, get the best you can. And as as an example of numbers, you know, the U value of an aluminium single-glazed window will be somewhere between, you know, 5.5 and 6.5. And if you looked at a UPVC window with... uh, double glazed low E in it, the U value will be between, you know, 1.6 and 1.9. So that's that's a massive difference in performance. Uh, Solar heat gain coefficient. So this is the second way uh, that that they react thermally. So we're actually talking, and I don't know whether either of you guys have been in Canberra on a uh, sunny winter's day where it's like minus one outside. Yes. No, uh, it's freezing, right? But if you're standing next to a, uh, just a piece of clear glass and the sun's shining on that glass, you will get really hot. So we're talking about the energy from the sun uh, coming through the window. So this is the second way they act thermally. <clears throat> so the solar heat gain coefficient is the measure of how much this is letting through. So it's a, it's a number of between, you know, zero to one, and as an example, a piece of clear glass has a solar heat gain coefficient of 0.67. So it's so when that sun's hitting that piece of glass, it's 67% of that energy mm. is coming straight inside. So that, that could be a good thing, obviously, if you're in a colder climate and it's winter and good north elevation, and you're actually generating heat within the house. Uh, but if you're trying to keep it out, it's not a good thing. So... Think of a, uh, a west elevation in the afternoon on a hot day and you've got 67% of that energy coming in from the sun. It's really unpleasant. Yeah. So if you went to, a, uh, say, the current soft coat low ease that are being used, they have a solar gain coefficient of... Um, Around, well, our, our window system, the UPVC window with that low E, has a uh, solar heat gain coefficient of 0.38. So instead of 67%, it's letting 38% through. Uh, and that is a massive difference in, in how it feels and the performance yeah. of the window. Uh, visible light transmittance, we do, I mean, we don't look at it a lot. Uh, but what you've got to think about, because if you're trying to block out that heat coming in, uh, you can get some really high-performing products that are down to you know, a solar heat gain coefficient of 0.2. And you think, well, that's the glass I want. That's only letting 20% in. But that glass might be like a, uh, a really, really dark grey. Uh, and all of a sudden, when you've put it in, the light... And we're trying to get free light into the house. You don't want to have to turn your lights on day and night. Um, <clears throat> the light that comes through those sorts of products... Uh, is is minimal compared to uh, something with a high. well, that's the measure of the visible light transmission. So that's, that's again, uh, zero to one. And so the closer you get to the one, the higher the uh, the amount of light, natural light, that you're getting into yeah. the building. So that's where the low-E products are really good compared to some of the tints. Although there's some high-performance tints that still have a visible light transmittance but cut out a, a lot of that solar heat gain. So things like, um, you know, there's high-performance greens. They're one of the best performing. So they'll uh, have a solar heat gain coefficient of about, you know, probably 0.38, 0.4, uh, but the visible light transmittance is not that far below uh, a clear of 0.67. Yeah. So you're still getting lots of light. So, so that's when you'd look at it and think about it. But I think you'll find most uh, window companies won't be selling you those dark greys. If you drive drive around most of the cities and look at commercial buildings, you'll see those dark grey glasses. Yeah, where they're um, like a, yeah, so they don't let much light in. Um, the other one you mentioned, Anthony, was air infiltration. Yes. So when you're thinking about a window system uh, and how it's performing. Obviously, if you've got lots of air coming through, you, you're letting in the horror of the cold. So, so the lower uh, that leakage amount is, is the better. So, so they express the number of litres per second per square metre of window. Uh, there's some, some minimums you have to have. So, so three is the number for uh, unconditioned buildings. So it's allowed to let three litres per second per square metre come through. That's, that's oh, sorry, not minimum. That's the maximum it's allowed. Mm-hmm. Is that three? It might be five. It's one or the other. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, and for a conditioned building, so, you know, maybe a hotel room or something like that that's always air conditioned or, you know, any commercial building, that yeah. number is actually one. Not a lot of people look at that. It's actually within the building code, but not a lot of people look at it. But the window systems are all tested. Uh, to show how much they actually leak. So you can get the numbers uh, from your window supplier.
0: Yeah, that's actually a good segue over to my next question. Um, in, in terms of the performance, how do you actually measure all of these different things, that performance factors that you look at?
1: Yeah, well, there's uh, there's lots and lots of different tests that windows have to go through. So there's an Australian standard, uh, which which is the most basic thing that every window has to be tested for. Uh, So it's AS2047. Uh, Any window that's being sold here in Australia needs to comply with that, or at least be tested to the equivalent, although there's not much around that's actually equivalent. And that tests a few things. So there's actually five tests. So the first test looks at uh, structural performance. So it actually measures the structural member of the window. So if you think of a window that's Let's say twelve hundred high by eighteen hundred wide, and we have one mullion or you know, one vertical piece down the middle. What they do is measure the deflection of that uh, that mullion. <clears throat> so they put the window into a test rig and they pump the pressure up and it it, it just measures how far that deflects at different pressures. So mm-hmm. that actually then says, "Well, here's where I can use my window around Australia because we have different wind loads on different sites. So, yeah. you know, a window in Melbourne, as an example, you can't necessarily use in somewhere like Cairns that's cyclonic and so forth. So, test that. Yeah. So, that's the first test. The second test is is uh, uh, operational force. So, for a sliding door, as an example, you know, there's a an a measurement uh, a maximum force to." Firstly, get that door to start rolling and then to continue it to roll. So that's yeah. measured as well. And we've really pushed the limits in Australia with some of the site, particularly sliding doors, uh, on whether we actually pass that test or not <clears throat> with sizes. But it's not part of the building code necessarily. So that's why sometimes you see big doors that are too heavy to push. That's yeah. using. <laughs> You know, standard roller systems and so forth. There's other hardware around that makes that much easier, like lift and slides as an example. Yeah. Uh the next test is your and we haven't mentioned this one yet, but uh water penetration. Mm. Uh, so ever seen a window leak before?
2: <laughs> More than a few occasions. <laughs>
1: yeah. So so they've got to have a, a minimum performance of they've got to be able to have a handle 150 Pascals. So within the test rig, uh, they put the pressure up to that 150 and they spray water at a, uh, a particular amount over the face of the window and it's got to not leak, not have any uncontrolled water coming inside the window uh, for a period of time. Uh, and obviously they then keep pumping the pressure up and uh, see how far the window can go. So you can have windows... So standard and the minimum is 150 pascals, uh, but there's windows around that do 300, 400, 500, 600 pascals mm. without leaking. But they're obviously very different systems one to the other. So yeah. so water penetration's the next test. The other thing that... Uh, the, the, the fifth thing that they actually test for AS2047 is um, an ultimate wind pressure, basically. So ultimate limit state wind pressure. So... On each site, through other standards, on each site around Australia, there will be the serviceability uh, pressure. That's the first one we spoke about, so measuring the deflection. The last one is that no matter what comes, you don't want the window to collapse, so they actually pump the pressure right up and make sure the window doesn't fail. So I've seen some window tests before where, uh, you know, uh, it's R&D guys obviously having fun and they've designed a new (laughs) system and, you know, it's more than well and truly passed for, you know, most of Australia to be used and they just keep pumping it up until the window actually gives way or, you know, the glass explodes or the actual framing system collapses and falls apart. So that's the fifth test. So that's the most AS2047. They're the most basic tests that all windows have to go through here. But then we've got other Oh, and the – sorry, I didn't mention that that was only four. One of those tests is also air infiltration, so they actually measure how much air comes out. Uh, But there's other things that we have to test for too, so acoustic performance. Uh, So you can test for how a window performs acoustically. So they basically have a wall uh, that doesn't transfer any sound, put a window in the middle of it. Uh, put sound on one side and measure what's coming through the other side in, yeah. in the most basic form. And that'll give you a uh, an RW value. <clears throat> so you can ask all your window suppliers for an RW value of, of their systems. There's lots and lots of acoustic tested products. Uh, then bushfires, another one. So mm. um, AS3959 is the bushfire standard. Uh, so there's prescriptive measures in that standard for windows. Uh, so you can follow those, but once you start to get up to the higher bell levels, like twenty nine and uh, and forty, uh, beyond it, when you go beyond that to FZ, there's minimal Can't products windows. That can do that, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the prescriptive provisions really, it, it's 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 very hard to get a window to look any good, like with the screening and everything with those prescriptive provisions. So there's a fifteen thirty point eight point one and .2. That are actually a physical test for windows for bushfires. Yeah. So you put a window in a rig and then they burn it and it's got to last and they measure the temperature coming through and yeah. make sure no smoke's coming through and all that sort of stuff. So really tough test and those tests are, you know, thirty to forty thousand dollars a test. So wow. that's why wow. some companies do it, don't do it. It's a lot of money and there's only, I think there's only two, maybe three places in Australia that actually do those tests. Yeah. But you'll find that most most of the bigger system suppliers, so UPVC suppliers, uh, aluminium, uh, some of the bigger timber window companies, uh, have actually tested products uh, certainly up to Bell forty, and so yeah. it takes away those screening things that you have to do in the prescriptive provisions. So you still get a pretty normal looking and functioning window, uh, and there's only a couple, uh, maybe one. Uh, window system that's passed the fz test and that was a par hammer window but that was a pretty special window i can tell you that that's the (laughs) massive heat that they put them through yeah so there's those bushfire tests as well and then there's fire testing as well but for the fire tests where they've got to last so long you know it's generally steel windows that have um, have had those sorts of tests not your normal uh, residential or commercial windows so lots of, there's lots of testing. Oh, uh, and I didn't mention energy performance. So energy performance, to, it's uh, we follow the Australian Fenestration Rating Council uh, procedures and protocols, uh, and it's actually a simulation. It's not a test, but it's based on mm. uh, the American AFRC system where they've done, you know, hundreds of thousands of tests. So the software that's being created, uh, is, it's, it's so close to actual performance that... Uh, we can now simulate. So so all windows in Australia have to be simulated to those AFRC protocols. Uh,
2: and further to that, Gary, does it mean that it's voluntary to then ensure that your product um, from window supplies products are tested as built?
1: Yeah, that, look, that, absolutely. So, I mean, what, what you can get and what sometimes you see is that a product's been tested but the manufacturer is not actually making those windows as per the test so it's Mm. maybe not relevant but you don't know that because the company's still got a test to show you uh so so the only thing we really have here in australia to to make sure that the stuff being made is the same as the stuff that was tested uh, is um the uh, australian glass and window association have a a nata third party accreditation scheme so what they do so members and it's not you don't have to do it it's voluntary to be a member um, but what you have to do is uh, you have to be audited every year when you're a a part of that the association a member of that scheme so a a, an independent guy comes in looks at uh, what was tested and all the paperwork all the different components of the window and then looks at what that manufacturer is manufacturing and makes sure it's the same uh, so it's a, a, a third-party check to make sure that you know what you're getting is is what you're getting.
0: Yeah. So for people who are looking to to buy um, or build a house and, and get windows for their house, that's something that they could look for in a supplier that they are part of this voluntary scheme to actually know that the the, the windows are properly tested.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> not not so much tested. You can ask any manufacturer for a test report. So all the system suppliers, all their products are tested. Yeah. Uh, there's some stuff that comes in from overseas and gets through that might not be tested. Uh, so you've got to ask for AS2047 test reports, and they, they need to provide them as a uh, supplier of windows here. Uh, or if you want that extra comfort that you're getting what uh, what you think you're getting, Yeah. you could jump onto the window and glass association website and there's a listing of all the members there so they're all a part of the uh, third party accreditation scheme yep. yeah Fantastic. So it's just a bit of extra assurance that that everything yeah. Okay. Yeah, we okay. love validation Again, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, for those listening check out that website and um, have a look at the list of supplies
2: on there
1: so yeah so so the other thing with all that testing and everything there's also a uh, mandatory labeling requirement which is part of the building code so Every window sold here in Australia, every window and door, uh, as in sliding doors and so forth, will should have a label on it with the structural performance and the water penetration resistance. Yeah. So, you, you know, you'll find them inside jams and so forth. They're usually in a hidden spot, but it, yep. will, it will have it there.
2: So, I suppose, uh, this is kind of circling back a little bit, but what... It's more, this is more just your opinion, but, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on single glazing in Australia? Um, and, you know, given your background in the Window Association, maybe like you've got the experience when this was probably quite common practice, it was the industry standard, and now where it is now.
1: Look, it fulfilled a purpose because single glazing keeps the wind out, it keeps the rain out. Uh, but as soon as we started moving to uh, thermally improving the building envelope, uh, and we did. We started off, uh, you know, in the building code, you had to put ceiling insulation in. That was the, the first move. And you saw a, a massive upturn on how houses performed. Uh, then it was all the walls and we looked at uh, under the floor and slabs and so forth. Uh, but what we, and we still haven't done this, uh, but what we didn't do is when you've got a building envelope that's performing really well, How's it going to perform really well when you've got uh, poor performing windows? So you've got all these thermal wounds around the building envelope. So, yeah. so single glazing has run its course, in my opinion. Uh, we're still using it in some places, uh, but I don't think we should be using it for much longer. Uh, well, we shouldn't be using it now, yeah. to be honest. The only place you would use single glazing now, or that you should use single glazing, is uh, maybe in you know, garages and things like that, so non-habitable parts of the building. Yeah. You know, no point in building a, uh, you know, energy-efficient home and actually leaving holes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I think single glazing needs to, uh, in, in my personal opinion, uh, disappear. There'd be yeah. some people would argue that. Uh, yeah. but they're, not, they're not looking at a, uh, a thermally performing house overall or envelope. Yeah.
2: No, they'd be looking singly at just cost, I imagine. So yeah. Correct.
1: Yeah, so there's still a bit of that going on.
2: Yeah, and uh, is, is double glazing now, like, obviously you feel that should be the standard, is that something that um, you feel will just continue to just evolve as well in Australia?
1: Like... I think it, it will evolve and I, I know from a, uh, an industry point of view there was a push to have, like there's no, you've got a minimum requirement for ceilings and walls for insulation there's no minimum requirement for windows it just here's what falls out like say you know you do your first rate report or nather's report whatever it is and whatever you can get away with with the windows then it's it's okay well you know it, it's really silly because I'll go I'll keep saying the you know the terminology of thermal wounds you're leaving a thermal wound any anyone that's uh, that's building a home that goes into any window company uh, and actually has some sort of uh, input into the windows that they're getting. If they come in with a plan, uh, and I've seen stuff where, you know, in a big living area, you might have eight windows and three of them are double glazed because uh, because that got you the six star or five star mm. or whatever it was. Yeah. And you say to the owner, you say, well, that's, that's good to have those three there. See these other five they're just letting all the performance out anyway, so what would you like to do? Well, They say it every time, we'll just double glaze it. Yeah. 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 And so, and so I know with some of the, uh, you know, some of the bigger builders, the volume builders, uh, you know, it's starting to come through, the is coming through that, well, we shouldn't now just be doing it just to get the house over the line for performance-wise for what the construction code me- needs. Yeah. Uh, let's actually make... You know, and we're talking energy and all that, but the, you know, the reality is comfort in the end. I don't know yes. you guys. Would have, you guys would have sat in a house with single glazing, and you would have sat in one with double glazing. Which one was better? Like, There's just no comparison. Yeah, know. absolutely. Yeah. Um,
2: I, I know that uh, in some of the early discussions around how we're going to navigate to get to seven stars in the National Construction Code for our energy rating, um, that windows were the were the number one. Um, you know, way to achieve that as a singular sort of item or approach. So, yeah, that like double glazing—it's—it's uh, it's certainly and particularly the type of frame as well. But I won't get bogged down in that. But um, yeah, implementing that in was probably the one way that we could actually get to that seven star. So, um, the I suppose the next question to ask is triple glazing.
1: I, I, can I just go back before we of jump course. on? The yeah. um, so, uh, if you look at what New Zealand did. And, and you talk to anyone about New Zealand and the building requirements there and they go, oh, double glazing is mandatory. That's not actually what they did. What they did was set a minimum performance.
0: Yeah.
1: And if you could do a single glazing that performed like that, we'll go ahead and use it. But, yeah. you know, it's known and proven scientifically that there isn't one that can do it. Yeah. And so... Uh, as an industry, you know we're probably dis- we don't mind going to seven star from six star, but we're disappointed that for that that one one item in the building envelope they won't set a minimum performance. It, it's like they don't want to go from single to double glazed.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm really glad you've you've talked about that, Gary, because you know that's a big thing to for people to understand as well as that there isn't a performance standard set for windows. And to be honest, I did I wasn't aware of that myself. I actually thought that that was part of the the calculation of, say, NATHERS that that needed to. But you're right, there isn't one now I reflect on, you know, looking at the National Construction Code. There isn't one in there, is there? So that that really needs to be something that we look at.
1: Absolutely. Um, So triple glazing, well, you know, it just just once again lists the performance. I spoke about, you know, double glazed UPVC with uh, U values of around, uh, you know, 1.6 to 1.9. Yeah. Uh, with double glazing, you know, soft coat low E. If you start to do uh, double low E, triple glaze products, you can get down around one. Yeah, use yeah. Value. so so it's a good it's a good improvement. Uh, is it needed here at the moment? I'd much rather see us get rid of single glazing and yeah. move to double glazing first. Uh, there are people that buy triple glazing. You know, the passive house movement here in Australia. Uh, it, people that are going for accredited passive house. Uh, depending on the climate zone, but they're using triple glazed. Uh, Some of the really big mansions that are being built and, you know, people care about what they're putting in, Uh, lots of triple glazed there, even though it's only a very small part of the market. Uh, Cost-wise, and and I can only talk from, you know, uh, from Ultimate Window's point of view, cost-wise, it's about 30% extra on top of double glazed. Uh, and you know you, you get your performance down to a, a U value of about one. Do you need it? Not round most of normal Australia. Uh, you know, would you use it if we're at that point? Uh, you know, maybe it's twenty, maybe it's ten, maybe it's fifteen, maybe it's twenty years away. I don't know. Time flies, and things don't move real fast. Uh, but I'd say for uh, you know snowfields and all that. Uh, all those types of areas, you, yeah. you, you, if you've got the money, you should use triple glazed. It, it'll yeah. make a difference. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, definitely climate dependent then. That
1: yeah. Very, so.
2: yeah.
0: So um, with looking at all of these price points and the performance points, um, from your opinion, um, what is the best value for money when you have high performance in mind? So um, how much money should you spend to get the best possible performance? What's the sweet spot from your opinion?
1: Uh, So so I think at the moment, if you want something that uh, is performing really well, you're really going to notice the difference. Uh, Yes, it's going to cost you more. Is it a good investment? Absolutely. When you look at the overall cost of a house, okay, you might pay $20,000 for your basic windows. Is it worth paying 50? Is it worth paying 60? If you're going to live in that house for 10 20 30 years yeah uh, absolutely so um I, I i think you know if you've if if you can afford to actually spend a bit of extra money don't necessarily get the marble bench tops and stuff maybe put it into your windows you could do the bench tops later that's much yeah. easier to do later uh i would be going with uh this sounds a bit biased obviously i been in the industry for so long i've sold all types of windows except for fiberglass and i've ended up uh, working in the upvc window industry because i i think that the performance of those are fantastic so i'd start with that with low e uh, soft coat low e double glaze units uh, and straight away that's a massive difference so if you think about aluminium at a u value of six we're at uh you know 1.7 to 1.9 Yeah, it's a massive difference yeah uh, I just t- changed two windows in my house. So I had timber single, I've, I've got double glazing in certain parts of the house. I've just been slowly changing them. But yeah. just changed the uh, dining room and the kitchen uh, from timber single glaze to UPVC low E, uh, soft coat low E double glazing. Well, you just felt the difference instantly as soon as you yeah. put them in. Yeah. So sound for one, I can't hear my neighbours anymore. Or they can't hear us, probably more likely. <laughs> uh, but just just the uh, just the comfort in there is so much different. So so that would be you know if I was building a new house, I'd invest the money. Uh, you know, thermally broken aluminium. So let's let's get away from uh, you know condensation inside. So don't yeah. use your standard aluminium. Go to a thermal break or, or timber or timber composites. Yeah, I, that's that's the minimum I do with double glazed low e, and and I reckon the best value around at the moment.
2: Yeah, in our experience, that's probably the, the truth for sure. I, I um, we've done our research, compared thermally broken aluminium windows, the cost, the performance values. I mean, actually, just coming from a cost and performance perspective, we've touched on quite a few others today, but yeah, we we see UPVC um, as best yeah uh, money for value as far as performance it goes as well. So yeah. Um, have
1: to agree with that, for sure. You, you'll, you'll see... Uh, I mean, you'll see a lot of uh, variation in performance from thermally broken aluminium products too. So so you really need to look at what the numbers are. So look at your U-value firstly, so your insulation value. Uh, you can find this on the... They should have a window energy rating scheme number. Uh, so you can go to the, the WERS website, which is wers.net, uh, and... It, you actually have to have your, your windows energy rated or you're supposed to to sell them here in Australia. Uh, it's an Australian value, so you can't compare it to European stuff. The European numbers will be lower than ours uh, because you test uh, or you simulate them under different uh, environmental conditions. So the Wers website's the best one to go to and it will have a listing of all uh, different window types with different glass products in and it'll give you U-value Give you a sole heat gain coefficient uh, looks at um, light transmission it also has will have the air infiltration number there
2: yeah i can't speak more highly of the words um, website if again if anyone's interested to do a little bit of research and do the comparisons themselves on these performance values jump onto the words website and just have a look at um, you know the upvc uh, double glaze low e options um first maybe yeah the aluminium counterparts uh, or, that's usually the big comparison mm-hmm. that everyone wants to weigh up so
0: yeah that makes a huge difference we actually just had a little look before in preparation of this uh, this interview and it really blew my mind not even fully understanding these values yet um but just yeah you can definitely see those differences there and it's it's very interesting to see if you're looking to um to buy some windows and really invest some money it's it's great to know what you're investing in so it's definitely a great resource
1: Yeah I think there's uh I think there's over 250,000 ratings on there. <laughs> wow. So try not to get too confused. Just think <laughs> about your window supplier first, who you want to get, and just go straight to them and have a look at all the ratings they have. Yeah. So, you know, that'll vary from uh, 100 to, you know, 10,000, depending on the system supplier and how much stuff they've had simulated.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I suppose um, we've talked about all of the... The window itself the testing the the rigorous testing and 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 different types of tests that the windows go through uh but i said one thing that i suppose i see is just as important is the installation if the installation of this window isn't done accordingly then yeah we see that uh all those performance values can pretty much become redundant um like it's sad to say but so yeah you imagine ultimate do some installation as well themselves so is there anything you'd like to you know some advice or maybe jump into that, that
1: side of it as well with windows. Yeah, yeah. So if uh, if you go and spend lots of money on a high-performing window, and um, then you uh, get them delivered to site and get, you know, your frame it and chuck them in here. And some of the stuff I've seen over the years is, is terrible. You know, they've put the windows within half a day. <laughs> uh, and you go and pull the architraves off when the house is finished and you can see daylight beside uh, beside the window and to outside. Mm. Once you do that, uh, and I don't have any of the numbers or anything, but I, I've spoken to an expert about, you know, how much uh, performance you lose from just really small gaps around windows. And you, you you would actually feel it. You could put your hand near the window and you could feel the air coming out. Um, we've got to install them properly. So, you know, they've got to be square, plumb, you know, uh, not racked, making sure they're all working properly. Uh, but then... I guess passive house is a good example. You know, there's so much detail put into uh, the taping around the windows uh, to keep any airflow from going through, uh, you know, insulation. When, when we do retrofit stuff, as an example, uh, and and retrofit, you know, there's plenty of UPVC guys that just do retrofit. Um, so they'll pull old windows out, and you can. You can see the gaps as soon as you rip the arc off and straight through the brickwork or timbrework, whatever on the outside. Uh, when the window goes in, they use a lot of foam in retrofit stuff. Uh, so there's actually no air air coming through. Uh, but we sh- we should be taping up to the windows, you know, flashing the windows. Victoria is a really bad example of window installation. You know, I've got thousands of photos of uh, windows thrown into a house, not flashed, you know. Okay, it wasn't a big deal years and years ago. Although I'm telling you, 30 years ago or 25, 30 years ago, uh, they used to install them properly. They do not now. Uh, don't flash them. So it's not only about air leakage, it's about water penetration. Mm. And and it was okay for a while because everything we were doing was brick veneer. But as soon as you get to lightweight, uh, the amount of damage that is caused by water penetration around the outside of the window because they're not flashed and you can't just... Um, you can't just, uh, you know, cork up around the outside and think that's going to last forever because it certainly doesn't. Uh, they need to be flashed properly. Um, you know, I've I've seen court cases where, you know, it was $30,000 worth of windows, but the court case costs $250,000 because of the damage the water's caused. Mm. And and people are trying to point the finger at the window, guys. Your window leaks. Well, it's got nothing to do with the window. It's coming around the outside. Yeah. So it's about... It's about sealing around properly. It's about flashing them properly. Uh, You know, some uh, window manufacturers or system uh, suppliers will have lots of installation details. Uh, I know, once again, back to the Australian Glass and Window Association, they actually have an installation guide, but they also did a range of videos uh, for basic installation, but also for an, an energy efficient installation so you can look at those so so there is access to uh to lots of information and how to do it properly we're getting better I've, i've seen a real change in the last uh probably five years and i've seen a real change with the growth of passive house but also people just being aware and and seeing these these videos when the awa did those i think there's about eight or nine videos just short ones they're just sort of five minutes um in the first year, they had over two hundred thousand views.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and that'd be well over a million now. I would imagine. I, I don't get to look at how many they've viewed now, but uh, and and that guide. <clears throat> so even that guide, uh, some of the um, some of the state. Uh, building departments, uh, like Tasmania as an example, they've made that guide a mandatory installation yeah. thing for fitting windows. So it was about that was about the flashing, but we can go much further. You look at the passive house stuff and the taping and how much detail uh, to make sure it's all sealed properly. It's fantastic.
2: Yeah, no, that's great. I'm glad you touched on that. You know, the AWA guide. In my experience, we've used that in, in in our office as well, just because it has been such a valuable resource. And the videos sound like the you know again just. To, Great initiative by them to um to try and improve because the, the installation side of it, um yeah, I, many a time we've removed an arc and we've been able to see daylight through there. Oh my gosh, we should <laughs> never ever see that. <laughs> yeah. So
0: yeah, and, and another thing to to maybe um talk about is I've heard a lot of stories about people. Um, or actually, another a, a, a friend of mine who's also a builder was telling me that he had a client who had a house with absolutely zero insulation in the walls or in the roofs or anywhere, um, but the client wanted to put triple glazed windows all throughout the house and thought, oh, that's going to, you know, that's, that's the solution that's going to create a really comfortable inside living environment and he kind of tried to say, you know, don't spend your money on that because – you you'll have the performance increase but if you have zero insulation in your walls there's only so much that windows can do so the question i guess would be in in just from your perspective um how important are windows compared to um the overall thermal performance of a house and especially insulation
1: uh so so in a new house insulation's obviously pretty easy to do so you wouldn't not do it and and cost-wise it's pretty good too it's not not too expensive yeah uh but even an uninsulated brick veneer wall uh compared to a single glazed window is uh is so much better uh thermal performance wise you could put uh double glazed into um an uninsulated brick veneer wall and it'll make a big difference because it's still the real weak point
2: yeah absolutely yeah I, i can't um stress this enough like Windows are the weakest point of the thermal envelope of a building by by far. If you were to translate that to an R value, just to compare it directly against the insulation bats that we typically use in the wall ceiling, um, it, it's going to be just a fraction of what that R value or the, the insulation is, even in a ninety mil stud wall, typical ninety mil stud wall. So, yeah, it's critical that um, put as much money as your budget allows towards those windows.
1: Yeah. That's true. But uh, you, you actually can't see through your uh, timber wall or your brick veneer wall and it doesn't let any light in. So, you, you know, you have to have windows. Uh, but yeah, make them a good one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you overcome um,
2: maybe the challenges of imp- like having European style windows into the Australian market? I'm sure that there wasn't just an easy, easy transition. I'm sure we had, we had to have adapted to maybe how we do things here in Australia.
1: Yeah, so, so not an easy transition because, uh, you know, our, our, our industry is used to just getting, whether it's a timber window or an aluminium, your aluminium's got timber reveals and your timber, you just, you know, nail through it or screw through it uh, into the frame to fix it. Uh, whereas the, uh, the European-type window came with nothing. And so, well, how do we fit this thing? Oh, no, that's too hard. We don't want to do it. Uh, so so uh, what we did... Uh, and, and I'm sure other companies have too, uh, is we designed uh, uh, basically a little extrusion that clips into the outside of the UPVC frame. So it's actually like the fin on an aluminium window. Uh, well, that's not aluminium. And we actually fit reveals. We can, well, we can do it that way. And, and most of what we do, it has a timber reveal. So, so they're actually the same to fit as... As any other window, so so that's one point. But you could do it the other way. That A lot of the passive house stuff we don't uh, we don't put any reveals on, so they follow the European methods. But for standard type building, yeah, we've got a timber reveal. So you know, like aluminium, a stepped stepped reveal. Uh, I, I guess the other thing with European design windows, they, they can't have bugs over there. I, I don't understand. <laughs> Um, because screenings was not an issue, and there was actually nowhere to screen lots of these systems. And so, you know, the initial early guys that got into UPVC, they, they were doing retractable screens and stuff like that, but compared to a, a standard $60 fly screen that you put on other windows, you know, people look at that and go, well, like, no, I don't like it or it's too expensive or whatever. Uh, what we did is um, is developed an integrated screen system for uh, for uh, awning, casement, tilt and turn uh, and sliding doors. So we have standards, we supply fly screens with every window we sell because it's our own little uh, integrated screen section. So it's like any other window here in Australia. Tilt and turn's the other one, like as an opening. So we have different opening types, most common here in Australia, you know, sliding, awning, casement. Uh, double hung in older buildings. I don't think we sell too much double hung anymore. Uh, tilt and turn. Well, that's that's really weird. Hang on, this stuff opens to the inside. I mean, it's fantastic. It's multi-point locking. It's double sealed. And the Europeans didn't worry about casement and awnings in the early days. Said, no, that's too hard, and we just use tilt and turn. But we actually haven't designed houses around that, although people are now. <clears throat> uh, because the system's, you know, working to the inside. So so we, what the Europeans did is actually developed with all the same uh, components, so the frame and the sash system and all that's all the same, but they developed the awning and they developed the casement. We don't do double hung because you just can't get a good enough seal on a double hung, uh, and our awning and casement are all multi-point locking as well, so they have, compared to a normal, you know, wind-out timber, window a wind-out uh, UPVC window that we supply has also has two, uh, I guess, locking points either side of the sash, depending on the height, whether we need more, which actually pulls the sash in onto the seal. So you've got the dual seal, one on the sash, one on the frame, and pulls it in and locks it in. So it's multi-point locking, like the tilt and turn, and casement likewise. So winder, integrated screen, uh, two locking points on the, you know, obviously the opening side of the, the sash, when you wind it in and close it, you then pull those two locks down in it, and it pulls the sash in and locks it into the frame. Yeah. So they've 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 adapted, you know, opening types, and we here have adapted and done stuff like the reveal and the uh, and the fly screens to suit our climate because we have bugs and mosquitoes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny that you're saying that because I, I can I can give you the German perspective on that one. My parents actually went and got um fly screens for their house specifically made and I think it cost them a fortune um just because we we do have mosquitoes and we do have flies, but nothing like here. That still amazes me on a on certain days the flies are just out and in your face and you know you do the typical Aussie wave and all these things and it's it's still very very weird to me that that's that's a thing that we have to live with here because that's never been a part of my reality growing up. And also, you don't have to worry about um, spiders the size that you get here. You don't have to worry about other little venomous things coming into your house. So (laughs) that's where the the fly screens are definitely a must
1: here. Well, that's where you need the multi-point locking to keep the snakes out.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Maybe you could just quickly touch on that, Gary, like the importance
2: or, or the difference of multi, what multi-locking is. So if we compare it against a standard awning window, aluminium single-glazed awning window, you know, we've got the winder. Yeah. That's the locking mechanism. That's all there is, right? That pulls that in.
1: Correct. So that pulls it in. It's, uh, well, it's, it's got two screws in a little, uh, little metal piece uh, to hold it into the sash. Um, and, you know, there's some variations on that, but, but that's that's the most basic. And if you go look at awning windows in most places in Australia, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just pulling it in in the middle of the sash. That's it. Has it got seals and stuff around it? Yes, but it's not pulling it in all around.
2: So, uh, and then obviously what you're talking about is that when you have multiple locking points, when you pull that awning window in and say with a UPVC awning, it's actually locking into these little lugs and it's pulling it in tight and actually locking it into that frame. So just want to clarify the difference between that of anyone listening as well, that um, there's, a, there's a huge difference there, like, especially with the air tightness um, when we're looking at high performance.
1: Yeah, correct. So if, once again, if you go to that WURS website and just have a look at a, a standard, uh, I don't know, timber window, look at the air infiltration and then have a look at a UPVC and, and you'll see a difference there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good, good advice. And good good for acoustics as well. Of course,
2: yeah. So anyone who's living near a main arterial road or highway or anything as such, you know, like the, just that just um, peacefulness that can exist in the home when there's no noise coming through, tra- transferring through is just, yeah, they actually um, – they actually say that it's it's really um, damaging to mental health with having constant just exposure to acoustics if you're sleeping and yeah. constantly exposed to noise from roads like just even upgrading your windows to something that has um, the ability to reduce the transfer of sound through can just yeah, improve even your well-being in the home in the of the occupants so.
1: Yeah, so, so if it is if it is an acoustic problem uh, that you're trying to deal with, uh, you'll get thermal benefits, obviously, but if you if you start to muck around with the glass thicknesses, so you've got you've got special acoustic lambs you can put in. If you don't want to go that far, you can just go and uh, vary the two thicknesses. So, as an example, mm. a piece of six and a piece of four, and what it does is it is it cuts out. Uh, a couple of different frequencies because when you've got a certain frequency that will travel right through the four mil, you've got the six mil blocking it, you get to another frequency and that will go straight through the six but you've got the four mil blocking it. So it's good to vary your, uh, vary your thicknesses of glass as well if, it, if it's an acoustic thing you're trying to address.
0: That's great to know. So um, having talked about all of these different types of glass and material and the different closing points for windows – what would your recommendation be to a homeowner on how to choose the right windows for a home?
1: Okay. So how to choose. So, uh, so firstly, look and make sure that they're a tested product. Uh, I always say, look for that third party accreditation. So go to the, uh, go to the window association or window glass and window association website, uh, and look for a company there, uh, then start to think about you know how comfortable do you want your home to be? Uh, I'd always go for double glazed and and you get the double glazed low e uh, soft coats now basically for the same price as the clear, so you might as well do that. And I'd really think about the frame. You know what's the climate like where you are? Is it does it get really cold? Uh, think about the thermal performance of the frame. So so go to the Wers website. Look for uh, look for the lowest U value. Not the lowest U-value, the lowest U-value you can afford. Speak to the window uh, manufacturer that you're thinking about purchasing from. Uh, You obviously got to go and have a look. There's a massive difference uh, aesthetically uh, and just functionality-wise on all different window systems. So, you know, you've got, let's say you want aluminium. That's fine. Uh, No problem at all. I want aluminium windows. But those companies vary so much. You know, you've got really small section stuff, you've got big section stuff, you've got commercial looking stuff. Uh, And same with UPVC. Yes, the European uh, UPV stuff is all, when I say similar, there's different functionality and so forth and different profiles on sections. Uh, There's US UPVC products. Well, they're, they're not a patch on the... In my opinion, I have to be careful here. Uh, not, not a patch on the European systems; they're, they're, they're more at a, a vo- I guess, aimed at a volume market. Yeah, uh, you know the European stuff's all reinforced with steel in the sashes and the frame. The uh, the US stuff is more being held together by the glass. Uh, they don't measure uh, they don't measure that deflection, as I said before, over there. So it hasn't been an issue for them; they haven't worried about it. Uh, I'd always go to those sites, the window sites, the WURS site. Uh, Actually, the Australian Glass and Window Association have a good uh, guide to window uh, and door selection, and it goes through all the testing. It looks at energy. You've got to think about where you are. Are you in a bushfire area? You know, are the windows you're buying, are they a tested product for bushfire or are they just following the prescriptive provisions? Because there's a difference. You've got to look at what you're going to buy. Yeah. Uh, but get the lowest uh, value you can get all the time. Think about the different elevations in your house. Have you got, and it doesn't matter, you know, if you're in Melbourne even, if you've got a big west-facing uh, area with big windows, think about what's going in there because even if you've uh, just... Um, you know, double glazed it, you've got to think about how much energy is going to come through in the summer. It'll be lovely in the winter, but in the summer, it needs to be a comfortable, it needs to be a comfortable room. So you've got to keep that heat out somehow. Uh, So that's usually the glass product you're looking at. So because the low ease, also there's, you know, high solar heat gain low ease, there's mid-range and there's low solar heat gain low ease. So, you know, you've got to look at all that. It's actually quite complex. Yeah. Uh, but all the infos there on the internet uh, but but speak to your window people not everyone will know uh, you'll know straight away when you start talking to whoever the salesperson is if you start talking about u-value and solar heat gain and different elevations and they've got no idea uh, I suggest talking to someone else
0: yeah. yeah but not
1: necessarily a different company but just just make sure they get the answers and all people in the window industry have got access to the information and, yeah. and they should definitely be pretty good now.
2: And Gary, what would you recommend to those who, what should they bring to you to make, to be able to get the best possible answers? Like obviously a set of drawings would assist, but you know, what, what, what would help you make the, the best, give them the best advice, yeah.
1: Yep, so uh, so I guess in the olden days, I used to have builders come in to me with uh, the sizes of the windows written on a bit of framing. <laughs> a bit of, uh, you know, 90 by 35. We need now to be able to give you a proper quote. We need full drawings uh so we're talking uh floor plans elevations uh I, I note that there's you know most plans have window schedules on them now so that's that's uh that's certainly something that's only happened I guess in the design industry I don't know you guys tell me you'd know it's it certainly when I last sold windows we never got that
2: yeah well when I first started uh, as a carpenter i uh, I was very much guilty of that uh, drawing just with the carbon, you know, carpenter's pencil on a bit of a uh, 9035. Um, I would just had a couple, just, you know. <laughs> but now, yeah, like obviously I've, I'm on the other side of the fence and in design and, uh, yeah, we, we really want a full glazing schedule. We want to have what, which one of those are being shaded, how they're being shaded, if it's horizontal vertical shading, um, you know, all the elevations, of course, uh, and, uh, you know, considerations for safety glazing, which you're probably nominated on there as well. Um, and, but then, you know, we really, really do lean on our window suppliers and their expertise when it comes to, um, our, you know, consulting with us on how we can get the best performance with what, you know, what budget we have or in certain situations, um, you've touched on raking forces and things like that. Like, you know, that's the sort of thing where we think, oh, we want floor to ceiling glazing and you can just go, hang on guys, you've got to consider that you need a horizontal transom in there to, to help that raking force. And, and, you know, like that's the kind of thing that we, we think about when we're coming from, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so uh, it's full set of drawings. Um, obviously, the the site loads. So you know, for housing and in rating, um, you know, for some companies that's a big deal. They might only have an N one window, uh, and you know, you get to places like Country Victoria and that. Well, it just, just doesn't cut it. Think about the water penetration. You know, is your is your house out on a a big farm property and exposed? You don't have you know massive eaves or anything uh because the water penetration needs to be higher if it's only at 150 if you we get it you know one of those one in a hundred year storms or you know one in ten year storms you might find you get water in uh, so you so you've got to think about that because you've got to remember that that water uh performance ratings is just set at a low limit and it's not for your special storms that you get yeah you know if you were uh yeah up north in the last uh, few weeks with the rain they had yeah. like, I guarantee you that uh, there'd be a lot of leaking windows up there because they just can't cope with it. But you can't make every window to cope with every single storm that you're going to get either. But think about it if you're on a rural property and you're exposed. Uh, so get that that water penetration resistance up to, you know, I said the minimum is 150, get it to 200, 250. Uh, so look at that and think about it because a lot you'll just get sold 150.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, <clears throat> Energy report. You know, we have to, as an industry, uh, match basically what's on that energy report or actually inform the people purchasing the windows that, well, you need to go off and do a bit more work on your energy report because here's our system's performance and that's what you're asking for. We don't have that because they won't necessarily. Uh, But I think you'll find um, certainly UPVC, we don't really struggle with that ever. It's usually performance-wise it's a lot better, but... uh, Some of the other companies may struggle. Uh, You know, what's the bushfire rating? We need to know that. It makes a difference to the windows, whether it's tested or not, because it changes the glass, it changes the screening. Uh, All this adds to um, all costs. If you know the colour you're going to select, you know, that might sound like a funny thing to say, but, you know, there's variances in different colours and people think they can just come up and say, well, here's the Colourbond colour, I'll have that. But, mm. uh, you know, yeah, you can get it in aluminium because they'll be able to powder coat it, but it might not be one of their, uh, you know, half a dozen standard colours they've got. So there could be, you know, anything from 5 to 30% uh, price increase. Uh, UPVC, you have your very basic colours, you know, white. Uh, so they're one price, but as soon as you go to a different colour, you know, there's a 5% difference because it's a totally different process. So it's a foil cover over the top. Uh, so it's, it's really any sort of information you can give. Uh, you know, there's there's lots and lots of questions that have to be asked. We do need the floor plans, you're right, Anthony, because we've got to go around and have a look, uh, you know, is this window in a bathroom? You know, is it next to a door? So it's not just a window schedule anymore. Uh, you know, every window guy that's doing a quote will have about uh, – you know, I, I guess two sheets of questions that they need to ask before they can quote properly.
0: Yeah.
1: That's great.
2: And I mean, yeah, even we haven't even got to motives or anything, you know, we've got to, have uh, if something can be mistaken for a doorway, it's got to be yes. visible on the glass. So we, you know, there's, yeah. there's a multitude of things like we always just talk about performance. We get really fixated on that. But yeah. my gosh, we've just outlined um, a whole bunch of other things that are considered when it comes to windows and doors. And so um I, uh, I think that maybe the next question to ask is, what does the future look like from here, Gary? Like, where do you see glazing in Australia going?
1: Yeah, I, well, I mean, there's going to be a, a continual improvement in, in performance windows that you'll see going into houses. Uh, you know, there's, um, you know, the Passive House Association. I mean, that, that thing's gone ballistic, I think, in, uh, you know, just in the last five years. And, and so that makes a very different window from what we use as the norm. Uh, I'll, we'll see growth in, in performance products, so, so thermally broken aluminium. We'll see lots of R&D in aluminium because they don't want to lose market share. I think they'll lose a bit, but they don't want to lose too much. Uh, and it is it's always been a big product here. I think, well, we're already seeing it. We've seen massive growth in UPVC. Uh, we're seeing massive growth in replacement windows since COVID because people have sat working at home, going, "I can't stand this. This is uncomfortable." Or, "Oh my god, the gas bill and the electricity bill have cost me a yeah. fortune to keep cool and hot." Uh, so we've certainly seen that. We've seen massive demand there, and and so has everyone in the in the replacement market. Uh, we're seeing lots and lots more consumer awareness of performance products uh, glass and windows uh, they're interested and you get on the internet there's a million things you can read uh, so so we often get people coming to us that have lots and lots of knowledge but they don't know about windows but they've got lots and lots of knowledge because they've read it all uh, on the internet I think at some point I can't give timelines because I thought it would have already happened by now uh, being in the industry so long I think we'll have a minimum product will be double glazed right across the whole country except for maybe darwin for a while i don't think they're that fussed but uh, (laughs) no i think we'll see it i'm not hanging it on darwin either that's beautiful um so yeah i I think that'll end up a minimum Uh, people will just understand but then i'll I, i think we'll see uh i think we'll see and we've already seen changes of course with volume builders uh, they do use a lot of double glazing now. Yeah, it might only be to get to the required amount, but you've got quite a few that are going beyond. You know, we're not going to build six star, we're going to build seven star, and have used it as a uh, as selling benefit.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Um, I think low-E products, are, it, it's just about there now. I think there's not much hard coat being used anymore. It's all soft coat. Uh, much higher performing, much better visually. Uh, so... So I think that's sort of already nearly here. Uh, Yeah, look, it's pretty exciting. And I hope in the building code uh, that they actually stick a minimum performance requirement. And it's not something like 5U value. It needs to be real. You know, let's get it down to God. It'd be great if it was even four, you know.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, that's. It's not much of a, uh, you know, that's not a great deal of reduction there. I think that's pretty easy to achieve is what I'm trying to say. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, I, th- I think we'll see the the disappearance of our, uh, I don't know, basic single glazed windows. Some of them are archaic. Some of these window systems have been around uh, since the 70s. That, that doesn't seem that long ago, does it, the 70s? Oh, I don't know, you guys It's <laughs> over so 50 uh, years now. It sounds pretty oh, long I know, to it's me. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I think you'll see those disappear because those systems, know, they just no longer do it for anything. They need yeah. to go. And and I think the system suppliers understand that. Uh, I think we'll see improvements in hardware. We already are. Uh, and let's take the European type stuff out because that's just how it comes and that's what it is. But we're seeing improvements with your, uh, you know, your standard aluminium uh, and timber window types the lifting the performance of the uh, of the hardware, which needs to happen. You know, some of the hardware that we've used here for years is is quite pathetic, really.
0: Yeah, you kind of uh, um, already answered uh, our last question that we always ask our, our guests at the end of our episodes. Um, if you had one free wish for something that could be changed in the building code, what would it be? But I guess you've already answered that.
1: Well, well, from a uh, who I work for now, so from a UPVC window perspective. I'd love to, and I'll make it worse than I just said in a minute ago. I'd love to see the minimum U value of uh, two point five. Yeah, yeah, great.
2: I uh, What really resonated with me, Gary, was that there isn't a performance standard for windows, external windows and doors at this current time in the National Construction Code. So for me, that like I am going to take that from today for sure and be like, wow, we you know we really need to see that introduced into the National Construction Code and become mandated. Like, and if it's two point five, I'd be Oh, gosh, be happy days.
1: <laughs> there, there might be, I've got to be careful, there'd be lots of unhappy people there. <laughs> oh, for
2: me personally, happy days, but you're right. Be, there's always pushback when it comes to this. We're, we're well aware of that. We've seen that happen now as we transition ever so closer to that September 1st deadline for the adoption of the new National Construction Code. Um, yeah, so. but
0: at the end of the day, the people who will benefit from it are the people who live in the places. And as we discussed, it's not only a healthier option for both physical and mental health but it's also a hugely more comfortable solution and it definitely makes a huge difference in your energy prices as well so at the end of the day it's also a more financially smart decision so even though there will be people in the industry who are not happy i think ultimately the people who benefit from it are the people who live in the in the homes and that's the most important
1: bit yeah so so look even even going to to it it would make a a massive difference to comfort in homes yeah yeah
0: great awesome well thank you so much for taking the time and giving us this super insightful rundown on all the different windows I've learned so much I will have to listen to this episode once again myself just to go over it again Um, but yeah thanks for taking the time Um, thanks for the work that you do and yeah we'll definitely be in touch with with some more window questions when they pop up
2: Yeah, I want to say thank you too, Gary. I mean, yeah, sitting here today, I've just absorbed so much. You've been an absolute wealth of knowledge. So, yeah, thank
1: you. It was great to be invited, actually, here. I I do love chatting about Windows and and it's good to find people that want to talk about them.
0: Yeah. And who knows, maybe in in a year's time or any time in the future, we'll be back here and discussing any changes in the building code and your your one wish has come true. Who knows?
2: That'd be terrific.
0: (laughs) Thanks again to Gary for nerding out with us. I thought I had a pretty good understanding of Windows, but I definitely learned a lot in this conversation, and I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Gary, you can contact him via the Ultimate Windows website, which is ultimatewindows.com.au, or reach out to them via Facebook or Instagram. And if you have any other questions for us, or want to be on the pod yourself, please feel free to send us a message on Instagram or Facebook, or email us at hello at outlierstudio.com.au, and we will get back to you shortly.